The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, you know, as you know, Trevor, yep. we do a lot of horror films. Yes, we do indeed. <laughs> that, that's an understatement. <laughs> exactly. And we'll still, we'll always, that's always going to be 75% of our, of our genre. Yeah. <laughs> but after spending a probably, I've watched for this little tiny little last minute retrospective of the Texas Chainsaw films, I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Then I watched the new one twice. Right. Then Your I researched it. <laughs> yeah, I researched it. So all together, I'd say about six hours of carnage. Yes. Man, I feel like something's wrong. Like, I just feel numb. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it can be draining after a while, you know, just as, especially with a series like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Original aside, although it's intense, and it's it's brilliantly intense, but, you know, we'll yeah. talk later about the sequels. But, yeah, it, it's, um, for want of a better phrase, it's overkill. <laughs> Uh, hey everybody, welcome for joining the conversation here. Uh, welcome to Citizen Frame. I am here with uh, Trevor as always. Always nice to be here, Kieran. Thank you. We are here as we probably, uh, we're eavesdropping, how rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're here to talk to Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Well, the first one and the so-called requel. Yeah. Um, as you know, requels are pretty popular now thanks to Halloween and the Scream franchise. Yes. Uh, kind of giving rebirth to a lost uh, uh, lost series. Um, and they've done it well. So we decided let's talk about, the, obviously, the classic, and then we'll get to the requel. Yes, uh, and we're going to skip about eight other sequels. <laughs> so, Toby Hooper. Now, I I don't, I hate bad mouth from the man because there's flashes of genius with him. Um, but I'm going to be blunt. He never really found his footing. And I mentioned this before with Poltergeist. When we did the retrospect, uh, sorry, just Poltergeist in general. And what I've noticed with his stuff, and I like a lot of his stuff, but the mass general public didn't. But he just never, he, he, did, he went, did some big, like Invaders from Mars, I think he did. And then he did a movie called Life Force, which was about, uh, Alien vampires, mm-hmm. and he just he just didn't take off. Both of them just bombed, and they were both big budgets. And he never found his footing since then. For me, he went back. Yeah, sorry, he ahead. did. He did. He did a couple horror films um, after he did Texas, which I really enjoy. Obviously, we'll, we'll probably get to it down the road. The remake coming out called Salem's Lot. Yes, the TV film uh, uh, miniseries. Yeah, four R. Yeah, I mean, I love that. So do. Yeah, it's good Space stuff. Space work. Back to, back to the more the Nosferatu kind of vampire. Yes. And then you've got a fun little one called The Fun House, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed that he did. Going back to the more grindhouse horror. Yes. 
that he's known for. Um, but that being said, yeah, so we're talking to Texas Chainsaw, and the reason I bring this up is because I watched this again, and I always say it through the podcast eyes, and I, I'm disappointed that he never really, like uh, Wes Craven started this way as well. He did, obviously, as he was doing Texas, uh, Craven just recently did uh, Last House on the Left. Yes. Which is that grindhouse, very just disturbing. Exploitation film. Exactly. But it, it took a while, but but with Craven, it it took him a while to find his 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 his, his footing as well. He yeah, he had little glimpses like the Hills of Eyes, but it wasn't until what eighty four where he did Nightmare, where he could got write his own ticket. Mm-hmm. Toby Hooper went the same route, started going making still making horror, uh, the Fun House, like I just mentioned, Salem's Lot. Then he got his big one, his Nightmare, which was in Poltergeist. But because that was so surrounded in controversy, who actually directed that? I think he just lost his foot. He never, he never really, he, yeah. He never recovered from and that. And he never really, you know, his, his career sort of was running parallel to Wes Craven's. And he never really did, you know, he re- never really made it as big as Craven. Yeah, and I, and he did a lot of TV and stuff. And again, guys, this is not taken away from the, the guy's work. I'm just saying it's unfortunate these filmmakers kind of don't, uh, you know, they're like one-hit wonders mm-hmm. when you think about it. Because at the end of the day, nobody knows who directs Salem's Lot. Nobody knows who directed The Fun House, or if they even know what the film is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I do because I'm a fanboy. But so you you get these these. Uh, sometimes I think it could be because with Poltergeist, it was a big budget extravaganza and special effects and stuff. He's never he's never done that before. Yeah, he was more used to the sort of low budget and yes. sort of having to be creative with a budget and having yeah and having to be just creative in general. Yes. Yeah. He's more of an independent film director as opposed to the big budget, you know, big budget Hollywood blockbuster director. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, though. I don't think he ever got his shot. He should have baby-stepped himself into it like Carpenter did. I think it's funny how, uh, do you know, (laughs) how Tobey came up with the idea for the Texas change. I was brilliant. He was in a uh, hardware store. Yes. Or some kind of big shop. Yeah. Yeah, and it was packed with people, probably like a fucking Black Friday. Yeah, and he he was he he was in a rush, and he all these people he couldn't get through them, and he was trying to find a way to get through them. And he first thing he saw was a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, that would be one way of doing it. Yeah, and so that's how he came up with the concept of a killer, and then he took the rest from Ed Gein. Yes, apparently, um, his grandmother lived um, in Wisconsin, where Ed Gein was from. And apparently, um, he grew up listening to these horror, real life horror stories from her about Ed Gein, who apparently the his you know grandmother and, and their family lived quite close to. Um, and um, he could he couldn't actually remember Ed Gein's name, but those stories always stuck with him about Ed Gein. Gein, isn't it Gein? Oh, I mean tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I know. Um, but yeah, yeah, that I, grave robin guy, basically. I mean, Ed Gein was kind of popularized by... Uh, Psycho. Psycho. Yeah, because of yeah. the motherly obsession thing. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, and leaving the mother in the attic. And also, the, and also the, um, the Silence of the Lambs as well sort of references mm-hmm. him with the character of Buffalo Bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ed Gein wasn't uh, actually, a, um, technically, uh, wasn't actually a serial killer. Um, he killed two people. However, he was more of a grave robber. 
and whenever the um, the police um, sort of raided his farmhouse, they found this complete house of horrors, like the Sawyer house is in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, with likes of um, lampshades um, made of human skin, drums made of human skin, and all this horrific yeah. debris, you know, bones and all sorts. But he was more of a, a grave robber. Well, the, the Texas Chainsaw kind of took Ed Gein, and everyone thinks it's Leatherface, but Ed Gein's character, Ed Gein, now you got me saying, <laughs> Ed Gein's character was really kind of mixed. The grave robbing was really the hitchhiker in this film. Mm-hmm. Then you had the cook who cooked the food, if you know where I'm going with that yes. one. And then you had the person who wore the, the different outfits as a face, skin, you know, different masks. Leatherface is victims. basically the, um, I don't mean this in an offensive way, but he's the mentally handicapped um, brother or younger brother or whatever. He, 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 he's, he's childlike. Um, and he's basically, he kills because he feels under attack. He's almost to be pitied, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and after, and I sort of always felt that anyway, but after reading up about it, that is indeed how Gunnar Hansen and Toby, um, Hooper approached the character. Yeah, he's a simpleton. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry to offend anybody, it's the way, it's the perfect way to explain it. it. It shows in the film, we'll kind of get to the couple of scenes, let's just dive into it a bit here. Uh, so this one we've got Sally, the hitchhiker, Leatherface, Jerry, Franklin, Kirk, Pam, the old man, and the grandfather. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty much pretty easy. The, most of the film, believe it or not, as you guys know, takes place in the van. Mm-hmm. And it kind of introduces you to all these different characters. They're These are just free-loving hippies. And they're going to visit. They're they're going. To, they're going there. Where they kind of spent their summers. Their uncles. Yes. Um, house. It was um, Sally and Franklin's. Um, I think it was their grandfather. Um, he originally owned the house back in the day, before the Sawyer family um, moved in, type thing. So they were going to check it out, and obviously they took their sort of happy friends with them. Okay. I think okay. it's it's something along those lines. I might have got. And maybe the maybe the house that um, their grandfather Franklin owned was a, a different house, but there is a connection there anyway. The opening sequence um, is the the quick flashes, and you hear the camera sound of that weird creaking camera. It sounds like a door opening. Yes. Um, the quick flashes, and we find out there's been a grave robbery in this local town, and there's a shot. We talk about the cinematography. This is it right here, where somebody's done a mon- a monument. Of this dead body on top of a, a tomb, yeah, in the cemetery, gravesite, yeah. It, it just it, it looks like it's melting. It, it's a really sort of it's a, it's a brilliant setup, you know. Uh, like this is grim, fucking brutal horror world. Where this is we're going into hell here, a journey into hell. Yeah, it's it pretty much sets you up like this is this is not what you think it's going to be. This is we're turning the tables on horror here. Mm-hmm. This isn't hammer horror or, or castle horror. Yes. Uh, this is going to be something a little more different. I love the documentary feel of not just that opening, but also um, the film as a whole. Yeah, well, the opening, you know, the narration, which is John Larroquette, yes, who's went on to win a bunch of Emmys for a great show called Night Court in the States. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he he just he said that he's got he, he was a radio DJ at the time. Yeah, he's got the voice for it. Yeah, yeah, and he was offered a joint to do that's, it. That's what yes, he apparently that's his. But yep, I heard that as well. I read up on it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, you guys, six hours. That's why my mind's right, just going crazy over Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> right now. 
all this little shit we know. Uh, but yeah, so we 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 were introduced to the hitchhiker, and these these hippies pick him, pick him up, and he's just a nut job, yeah, crazy. I would have kicked him out of the car. I wouldn't have even picked him up, to be honest with you. Yeah, he, he looks um, deranged and demented right from the off. When they kick him out after he goes ape shit, they they have this. He cuts his hand and he puts a marking on their van. Yes. Kind of like we're gonna mark you. I get that. We're tagging you. We're gonna get you. That's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But was there a picture? Was that a bird he drew, or what was that? Oh, I don't know. I think it was just a general sort of fucking. It looked like a crow. Pop. Yeah, I mean, it's open to debate. I think it was just he was yeah. just basically rubbing blood on the. And I don't even think he was that elaborate enough to just say that you marked. I think he was just doing it just because he was. I don't think he was that elaborate or even. Um, Smart. intellectually sort of um you know sound enough to even think yeah. that far ahead i think True. i think he was just basically fucking about as he was doing as soon as he got into the van you know i don't think it's as, as sort of elaborate as that you know yeah that's right i figured that i just was curious because they kept looking at it quite a bit and frankly keeps eyeing it does this mean something yeah. kind of thing uh, let's talk about the other characters you know are pretty grounded it seemed like pretty nice people mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about fucking Franklin. Yeah. Oh my God. He's annoying as fuck. However, here's here's the problem I have with it, and I thought about this. A, they did it deliberately because you wanted him to get it. So if he's in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. you can get away with killing him. So it's horrible to say that. No. Yeah. Um. So when he does get it, however, they turn the tables because the second act. Where he goes out with his sister Sally to find everybody in the dark, and the poor guy's by himself. He can't. Get, he's you know he's fucked. <laughs> yes, big time. You've real. You kind of he becomes a little more grounded, so you kind of feel sorry for him um, when it when when the comeuppance happens. A lot of people. But, I've heard a lot of people criticize the character, and while I admit he was annoying, I it, it didn't he didn't jar for me because you know real oh, people. I, I want real I, people I, can I, be annoying. Yes, he's irritating and stuff, but I I again it goes back to the sort of. The sort of neo-realistic feel of the film as a whole, yeah. If and also apparently the the actor who played him, I can't remember his name, um, was he basically stayed in character throughout the entire shoot. Uh, he was a method actor as well, and apparently, um, so he actually does a very good job. So he does. Oh, I just thought it was too much, but I think Toby did that, so we knew when he does get it, mm-hmm. we're like, Phew, thank God, <laughs> good riddance. <laughs> Uh, I do when they get to the gas station and that's where we meet the old man yes the cook the cook does he's warning them that's right he he does he warns them you don't want to go to your uncle's house wherever he yes and he sort of because he doesn't like he doesn't like the killing he's a reluctant killer that's right okay I I forgot about that because he says at the dinner the dinner scene yes where he goes I don't like killing yes it's not for me um, so he was warning them. I did get that. You right. know, you know what I noticed for the first time as well on watching it. You know, for for the podcast, and it, it didn't click with me before, but it is also heavily suggested that the barbecue meat that they buy in his um, gas station is human flesh. Yeah, but that's where they get their food. Yes, mm-hmm. I, that's yeah, a, I knew. I, that. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I just I just fucking went over my head on previous viewings of it. You know, because it was more concentrating. Probably, yeah, probably. they're cannibals. Yeah, you yeah. Didn't know that? But but uh, yeah, I, I just think that, that that was pretty cool that um that that the actual not not cool cool in a sort of macabre way, and that the actual teenagers were actually also cannibals as well by default by proxy. Yeah, they kind of show that in the prequel that they did Texas Chainsaw the beginning that happened. Yes, and also um, um, later on 
whenever Sally is has run away and she thinks she's got away from Leatherface, you know, in the, the famous chase sequence, um, she ends up back in the gas station and the camera li- lingers on a shot of her looking at the barbecue meat and that's when it, yeah, it's obvious yeah. then that the um, that's human meat. Yeah, they did that because once they go back to the barbecue pit, whatever it was, yes. they reference it again to let you know these they're eating them. That's why when... Well, let's get let's jump into the killings here. So, and first to get it would be Kirk. You got Kirk and Pam. That's the most powerful killing out of them all, I would say. Um, I would say you know what's funny? All these actors went out. They did nothing. Yeah, they went and did their own thing. Um, some of them just a lot of them walked away because the the film shoot of this was terrible. Party was yeah, they went through hell. Yeah, the the hot the heat and everything was especially Texas heat. Yes, and it's a dry heat in Texas too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So they they go to the house. They go. They go to. The, they go to the house, and I do like the setup where they couldn't get gas at the gas station because he's wait. The guy says he's waiting for the, the the gas pumps to get full again. Yes. And so they go. They go to the visit the aunt's house, uncle's house, wherever it is. And Franklin says, "There's a there's a swimming area. You guys can go follow the path." Uh-huh. And they, and they, so they decide to go follow the path, and obviously the water's gone. It's drained. The water's gone. It's drained, mm-hmm. and it's no longer there. But they hear a generator going, so it's a nice way of bringing them to the Texas house, yeah. called the t- Chainsaw House. So your house. So they go, oh, they, yeah, they probably have gas there because we can hear a generator. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way of getting them to point A to point B. And so when they get there, uh, obviously, I, these two deaths, you don't see anything. It's nothing by today's standards. In fact, this film got a PG. Yes. Um, what I the first time I mean, I, I first watched um, this film, um, the, the the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, many years ago. But this protect the, the first killing of Kirk um, has always stuck on my mind because up to this point, nothing bad has happened. I mean, apart, apart from the opening that sets a really grim sort of tone. But um, up until this point, nobody's been killed. Obviously, you've had the um, hitchhiker getting on like a psycho and stuff. But it's just such a shock. And it just comes sort of almost out of the blue. You know, and it's happened so fast. But it's also Kirk's reaction, which is so realistic, with the bodies like sort of um, yeah. convulsing. That's yeah. fucking real. That, that's so powerful. Yeah, that's to me is more disturbing. Even if that came out today, it'd probably still get an R just because of the effects it had. I mean, just and it happens it so have, quick and it's so realistic. He just whacks him with a hammer and slams the door. Yeah, and you see his body just convulsing. Yeah, it's oh, it's a horrible death. Mm-hmm. And then poor Pam, she gets it the worst. I think. Yeah, she gets hung up on a meat hook. <laughs> yeah, what they do there and when put in falls, a freezer. Yeah, when she falls into that little room and you find they got the Ed Gein experience, kind of like the IKEA Ed Gein style. <laughs> yeah. You see all the furniture and, the, and stuff like that made out of skin and yada yada. Yep. But when he picks her up, and he, you know, and you see, and what he does is this is where I, when it comes to Toby Styles knows how to set up a good shot yes. without giving you everything, and with. With this, he, he all he has all he has in focus is the the hook. Yep, and he's bringing in Pam, and then he cuts away. Yeah, now the hook's out of focus, and you just see her, and he throws her on top, and he cuts away before you don't see anything. There is very very little gore and violence in this film, despite its reputation. It's it's her her reaction, mm-hmm. and, and when I said earlier about the acting, these guys have to sell it, mm-hmm. and they fucking sell it. These actors. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Franklin, fuck him. He's annoying as hell. <laughs> but I got to give kudos, especially to Sally and, and, and Pam. Their, their acting is just solid. You know the fear. And then she's on a meat hook. And then we see fucking Leatherface sawing her boyfriend who just got beaten in half with a chainsaw. Again, you don't see anything. There's no blood. Exactly, because it, nothing. it's superbly handled and directed and shot. Um, so it is, it, it, everything's implied. You don't actually, you know, see her getting put on the meat hook. You know, if that was a f- film today, um, you know, one of these gore fists t- today, you would actually see the hook going in and up her back and her skin being ripped but you know, it, but with Toby Hooper, it is much more powerful because what you don't see, your mind fills in the blanks, and that is always much more powerful. So yeah, there's a difference between um, grossing somebody out for a couple seconds yeah. and then and then or let it linger. Any anyone can yes, anyone can can gross people out. You know what I mean? Me, me or you could make a film tomorrow and we could just have loads of... Box office hit. Yeah, absolutely. Box office hit, that's for sure. <laughs> and we just have loads of mindless killings and, and, and violence. But with someone like Toby Hooper who had real talent and, and skill um, and despite the limited budget, um, in fact, the, the limited budget improves this film greatly. Um, so it does, um, you know, because it gives it that raw feel to it. Um, he, he, this guy... You know, has genuine talent, and he knows how to shoot a scene like that. Well, that's what I was talking about when you take Toby Hooper away from the basics. Mm-hmm. Can filmmakers or take away from the basics thrive doing something like a poltergeist, yeah, or something like that, and it doesn't work, uh, or he needed a lot of help. Clearly, he did. He was more suited so, to low budget films where he could improvise and then show show his real talent. It's, well, again, we talked about it, and I, I just—it's sad because the guy's got talent. Clearly, he does. We, I like a lot of his stuff, but at the end of the day, Carpenter did it better. Wes Craven yes, did so it better, yeah. and, and and the little guy called Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. who did low budget horror all the way till late '90s until he decided, all right, let Spider-Man? me do the Spider-Man thing. Yeah, and you know, and he kept his team with him. Yes. So I, I don't know. I don't know um, what happened, but. I thought the Jerry the Jerry Duff was kind of wasted. He gets bumped in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, he opens the freezer and we see uh, Pam come out of it. She's still alive, but she's pretty much that's a pretty good scene there. actually. You know where she jumps out um, of the freezer. Yeah, I thought her her coming out was right, but I thought his death was just yeah. bashed in the head and that was it. Yeah, the the but, best one will always be the most memorable one will always be Kirk for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't see it. It's the first it's so realistic, major but also it happens so like it just it, it's a shock. You know, when you're watching it for the first time, it's just like, what the fuck? Um, you know, what happened there? Um, and it happens so quick, and it's so it's so gritty and realistic. It's very, very powerful. We talk about the independent style, and we talk about this for Halloween, and how they had limited lighting. Lighting is probably yes. one of the most expensive things on a film set. Well, what he does here, Toby Hooper, I don't think he wanted to shoot it at night, personally, but he had no choice, just because it's a horror film. you got to give us a night shot. And so what he did was he brought uh, Franklin back in the picture. And and obviously Franklin, Sally doesn't want to take Franklin because she can't wheel him. Yes. She doesn't know where she's going here. And it's in the middle of the woods and he's in a wheelchair. God love him. But he decides, I'll hold the flash. I want to come with you. You really feel, this is where the character turns for me a bit. Because you feel sorry for him. I want to come with you. I'll, bring, I'll hold the flashlight. Because he knows he's useless. And But the flashlight's huge. 
but it's Tobey's way of getting light in the middle of this scene. Do you get what I'm oh, going yeah, with this? Oh yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Again, it goes back to him being a great improviser. Yes. Or we'll get light in here. Well, we'll write it into the scene. Yeah. And and then you've got uh, the, the fucking great shot. We need, they're just talking, and then out comes Leatherface. <laughs> and he's got the flashlight in his hand, so we can see Leatherface clearly from the flashlight that Franklin's holding. And then Franklin Sally gets it. Brilliant direction. Um, um, and again, you don't see it coming. It's a really good jump scare. And actually, Franklin's the only one gets killed um, with a chainsaw. Yeah, and a chainsaw true. massacre. <laughs> well, it isn't called the Texas Chainsaws Massacre. It, 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 should, have been, it should have been called, um, yeah, the Texas Chainsaw and Sledgehammer Massacre. <laughs> yeah. And Hook um, Massacre. <laughs> and again, the, uh, going back to the actress, Sally, she's fucking, I, I can't believe she had a voice after this. She must have been screams. exhausted with all that fucking screaming and running. But you know what? She sells it 100%. I know. 100%. Yeah. And usually when you hear women screaming in horror films, like, oh, Jesus, shut it's up. Grating. It becomes grating. Uh, she's, but for her, she, she it is so believable and relentless yeah. and intense. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? She sells it well. Yeah. And again, we're, we're talking about how now the flashlight's gone because Franklin's been killed. So you're now in the dark. So what Toby did, and again, I this is just me thinking outside the box. I'm not saying he did this. You've got Sally wearing bright white pants, and you've got our boy Leatherface wearing a bright yellow apron yes. with a bright yellow chainsaw. And the reason I think he did this was because they stick out. So yeah, so you could see, the viewer could see them. Yes. Um, again, another creative choice. So if you have less lighting, improvise. Yeah. And it shows well, and it doesn't. You're not sitting there squinting, trying to see what's going on. And he knows how to use the woods long enough to get her to the house, where it's obviously brighter. Um, so when they get her and they bring her to dinner time, they're obviously going to beat her with the mallet. <laughs> it's 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 it's, it's, it's it by far the best scene. It, it's fucking terrifying. It's intense, and it, it's so darkly humorous as well. You know, is the grandfather alive then? The, the grandfather's alive throughout it. He's just very, very old and weak. He looks like a zombie. Play, I thought played he was a by vampire. like a fucking 18-year-old or something, too. I, I thought he was a vampire. No, no, no. He, he's, a, he's a normal human. He's not supernatural. Not, no, none of these characters are supernatural. Okay, because the guy looked... I mean, and then when he's sucking on her finger, when they cut her finger, and he starts sucking on her blood like a Slurpee. The makeup's not the God. best. The makeup's a bit ropey. I think that's what makes it makes make, makes you think it's maybe... Um, oh, okay, because it looked like he was dead. No, it was a zombie or something. Makeup. I think you're, you're first sort of given that impression whenever you see him up there with the fucking... the corpse of presumably his wife, um, yeah. you know, up, up the stairs. But no, no, the, none of these characters are supernatural, like vampires or anything, as far as I know, anyway. Um, okay. it's basically just very, very old, frail, and weak. And then, uh, when, but this is just such an intense. Um, this is like a, a, a living nightmare. This scene, and, and I mean that in the most complimentary way. Leatherface is getting yelled at by the cook. Yes, like he's because he's pissed. Why'd you kill these people? Because mm-hmm. um, again, he's even though he's a nut job, he's anti-violence. Yeah, he's more, he's more like the, the sort of the heart of the family, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's pushing it, but yeah, we'll give you that one. Um, but he's a Leatherface, of the family. Has, Leatherface has changed him, his face to be a woman. Yes. So is that Pam's face? No, uh, I, as far as, I don't know whose actual skin it is, but apparently um, Toby Hooper and Gunnar Hansen um, decided that 
um, because Leatherface is basically so mentally handicapped, he's basically empty behind the mask, you know what I mean? And also, but he has different masks for his different duties. So he does, like, he's also, like, the the housewife um, whenever he wears one of the masks, um, you know, whenever he's making the dinner. He has certain chores that the family make him do. He's basically, like, the, the sort of family skivvy. And whenever he's performing each of the roles for the family, he has a different mask on. Ah, it makes sense because when he's when he's wearing the woman's mask, yeah, there's two women's he's, masks. He's, he's got a he's got a feminine sound to him. Yeah, there's two there's two women's masks. There's one where he's preparing the dinner, and one whenever he's like sitting down to dinner. Um, okay, and it, it's and the, the the woman's mask is particularly disturbing looking. So it is, and yeah, it, it, it's just fucking dark stuff. Like you know, when, once you really sort of psychoanalyze what's going on, you know, with the character. Yeah, you know this, yeah. this is disturbing fucking shit. Like, you know, he, he's basically <laughs> feral, and it, you know when he's like this sort of feral sort of um, brother um, who has these certain roles and duties within the family, and he has a, a different mask for each occasion. How cute is that? <laughs> well, I have a I have a baseball cap every time I do something different. Yeah, well, well it's you basically know. it's basically a version of that. <laughs> if you were a cannibal, yeah. you know, yeah, me, me and Leatherface and Ed Gein all have something in common. Yep. <laughs> um, just my stuff. Mine's not made out of flesh. Well, oh, well, that's a bit disappointing. It's 100%, to be honest, wool. <laughs> wool. Um, so yeah, they. They put they put the hammer in the old man's head. They're gonna try to bang this poor woman's yeah. head, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And clearly, they're they're incompetence. So she she's able to get away. Yeah, I jump through and another window. She jumps through a lot of fucking windows. Yeah, in this. yeah, but she's I mean, it's, I, she sells it. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and the step woman sells it. Yes, and so she's running again, and again, this is the finale. Where Hitchhiker gets run by, run over by the truck. Great little shot. Brilliant. Even though it's a mannequin, but it's shot it well enough. You don't really notice. Yeah, it's very. It's a brilliant special effect. Yeah, and then obviously she. I do like the fact when she's running away. Did oh, did you see? In the dining room when they're eating or about to eat. Yes. The lampshade over the. Uh, over the dinner table? Yeah. Was that a baby's face? I'm not too sure, but I know that basically all of the household accessories are basically... Yeah, there's a lot... Of, the, 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 again, it, it, I think that was a baby's face, which was disturbing. Possibly, or a small child or whatever, because... Yeah. Yeah, again, it goes back to the Ed Dine, because in reality, his fucking house was like that, and his farmhouse in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, when I was... Just a bit of a, um, a, bit of a side story here. When I... Being like a, a morbid little shit all my life. Uh, back when I was um, a kid, and I was like <laughs> um, a morbid little shit back then too. Um, I used to get these real life crime um, weekly magazines called Murder Case Books, where I had like the likes of the Cray Twins, um, the Yorkshire Ripper, Dennis Nathan, and stuff. But um, one of them one week um, was Ed Gang, so I do know quite a bit about the Ed Gang um, case. Um, which I read at fucking twelve years old or something, you know. That, that actually explains a lot to our listening audience. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I was always, I was just always, I've always been fascinated with the macabre. Although you know, obviously that's real life crime and stuff. But with me, things like horror films and stuff were always like an emotional outlet to me. The real world is much, much more horrific, you know. And it's my yeah. horror and fictional horrors my escape from the horrors. Of the real world, however, um, things like murder case books were based based on real life cases, but I had a sort of 
reading something in a, in a magazine, even if it was a real life case, there was still that distance there because I wasn't personally affected by it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, so that's the ending. I mean, it's it's a nice little ending where she's she's getting away. Very iconic. Uh, shot and she she's she's laughing hysterically at the end, and he is dancing with the. Uh, Chainsaw again, improved by Gunner. Yeah, brilliant. And I, I, I set Terrifying. against a beautiful sunset. Yes, it was just a beautiful shot. As you can say, it as creepy as the scene is. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the cinematographer, getting that right shot at the oh, right brilliant. moment. Brilliant and and so um, disturbing and sort of haunting and atmospheric. Uh, his little tribal dance, I guess you can say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there you go. Yeah, listen. Uh, I mean, I think we're all going to praise the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm going to praise it pretty much for, I mean, it's got flaws. I can't stand Franklin mm-hmm. for most of it. I get what he was trying to do. I understand we got to feel simp- we wanted him to get it by the time he <laughs> he gets it because we got this per guy in a wheelchair. He's yeah. going to get it, so let's make him annoying. That's That was probably his I, plan. I mean, I mean, the likes of, you know, um, even bumping off within films or in fiction, I, I, I have no problem bumping off um, um, sympathetic characters or, 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 you know, because it's fiction and, you know, ultimately it, it doesn't really matter, you know. Um, so, but yeah, I, I see what you're getting at, the sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the, you know, all the way from the, you know, from the opening narration to the introduction of uh, the hitchhiker mm-hmm. to the uh, Sally and to Pam. Actually, all the actors in this were, were spot on. Mm-hmm. Usually, uh, Friday 13th would be a good example. As much as I love that film, the acting is horrid, <laughs> even even with Kevin Bacon. A lot of these but, sort of films, but, yeah, has, have ropey acting. But, but it's the I think I think basically the good acting and and the realistic performances from the cast um, could be probably boiled down to the fact that it was apparently such a nightmarish shoot. But um, so they were genuinely sort of so upset and um, tense, um, but also great direction by Hooper. I mean, you've got the uh, I should give a shout out. We talk about the cinematographer and we talk about Tobey, but we surely have to give a shout out to the production designer. Mm-hmm. Because when you go in that house, it's so detailed with bones oh, and and skins and all this other stuff. It's that the hundreds of man hours that or that must have taken to do that. The little details, yeah. it's just amazing. Uh, to the little, there's no score in this film. Mm-hmm. It's all chainsaw sounds and sound uh, effects. Sound effects, uh, which what Stanley Kubrick did in The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's. It's got so much going for it. It's the flaws are minor, to be honest yeah. with you. I would say, um, I would, however, say just. Um, I mean, I think it's great and all that. There, um, I would say, while some films for me do improve on repeat viewings, this film on repeat viewings does lose a lot of its power. You know, I I disagree, and the reason I say that, I think you're saying that because it was, you could say, uh, because it. There's been so many over the top sequels that I think it diminished. It, it might diminish the original. Yeah. Um, Friday Thirteenth would be a perfect example. I think Halloween survived. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, but I can see your point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think it's great, and I still did think it's great watching it. You know, um, a couple of nights ago for the podcast, I think it was it was last night, but um, it was no, it was the night before. But um, yeah, I mean, it still has. I, I still I still think it's great, and it still has a lot of power, but. The, f- the first time I watched that, you know, quite a lot of years ago now, um, I mean, it was just, it was just like a soccer punch. It was like a chainsaw to the, he- it was like a, a fucking sledgehammer to the head, <laughs> you know. 
it, it was. Just, well, I mean, you can say that about The Exorcist. Yeah, that's you know, true. You know, you can say you know what's coming. And I think that's why we have movies like Hostel and Saws and stuff like that. They're fine films. They can do their own thing. I'm cool. But I'm not a big fan of Torture Point, nope. believe it or not. Was it doesn't have that impact as much as you. It's because we've all now got this fucking Hostel oh, and Saw yes. films, yeah. which are Torture Point that are out. Because we're not getting what we're getting now. People think this is more tame. And that's the mentality that's happening now. I disagree. I think it's more powerful than seeing it actually happening. I'd rather have it. And it still holds no, up for me. No, I agree with that there. I'm just say, saying that um, the part, just the, like that first time, experiencing it for the first time, just it was so memorable for me. Well, that's different. I mean, yeah, if you experience something for the first time and then it's yes. kind of, it's, then you know the magic trick. But I agree that, that um, there is much more par. Um, and, and it's a, a, a million times a better film than the likes of Hostel or some of those Saw sequels and stuff or, you know, all of these torture porn, you know, this torture porn craze. It was in the early two thousands. I mean, this is this is a much better directed and made film, despite its um, minuscule budget. Yeah, it's it it guys. I think we're all on the, on the same page. I think anyone listening to this podcast agrees. Nobody, nobody. I don't think anybody really. Oh, well, I think a couple of people just, um, don't like uh, the grindhouse feel. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap on this one. Thanks for listening in. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the, the uh, I guess you could say, requel, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. And I look forward to talking about that. Uh, again, thank you. Uh, a lot of downloads this week, which we greatly appreciate. Uh, and you can always follow us at Citizen Frame underscore podcast. And, of course, on Facebook. Uh, give us some shouts if you want us to do a movie, a movie review for you. Uh, please don't make it horror at this point because I think we're all burnt out, especially after... <laughs> watching all this Texas Chainsaw. All right, guys, have a good one. Thanks for joining us. I think I've lost Trevor, but we'll get him back for the next one. Take care.